Mini Episode 1354 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1354. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here. And another great tradition in the FDH Lounge is uh, breaking down the upcoming Stanley Cup final. We're doing that here in the year 2021. As always, good friend, comma, FDH Lounge dignitary, comma, sportsology proprietor, comma, author Russ Cohen here to do the honors. And uh, Russ will be. Uh, as is generally the case uh, there in person for at least some of the games at the uh, Stanley Cup Final. And uh, he'll be uh, giving us his analysis here uh, as we go into uh, what is a most unusual pairing on many, many, many levels. Tampa Bay, Montreal. If we'd have said this a year ago, you wouldn't have believed it for a multitude of reasons. But anyways, (laughs) we'll get into all of those with good friend Russ Cohen. Russ, how you doing for this uh, weird one, my friend? Good, Rick. Uh, You know, it's interesting because preseason... I did pick um, Montreal and the Avs, and I said Montreal could definitely get to the Cup, could win it. I I still picked the Avs as the as the winner. I stuck with both of them into the playoffs, even though there was a lot of snickering about the Montreal when I said it that day. There was snickering first round of the playoffs. I stuck with them until they played Vegas, and then I thought sure Vegas was on to something, and they weren't. But I'm not going to tell you that Montreal's a fluke because I don't believe they are. Very, very interesting, and kudos to you for picking them to be in this spot before the season. I picked Tampa to be in this spot before the season, but that's as chalk as chalk gets, as they are the defending champions and a team that uh, really... Yeah, but I didn't pick them until the season, the playoff season started, so I turned heel eventually with that, too. Well, you know, and again, uh, Tampa Bay... Uh, they are very, very deep, very, very well-rounded, and uh, just one of these just machine-type units top to bottom, and such that uh, in our FDH Lounge uh, Stanley Cup Playoffs cheat sheet that we have up, still up on the main page at fantasygrafthelp.com. I'm not even going to go through all the stats because it's redundant when you just go to with Tampa Bay's big advantage in all of these categories. Oddly enough, except for Montreal was 5th in Fenwick 4 and uh, Tampa Bay 21st. That's an odd one. That's an outlier. Tampa Bay's got them beat in every other category and beat by wide margins in many categories. Sure. No, that's just. I mean, I'm not saying Montreal's going to win the Stanley Cup. What I'm saying is they deserve to be in it. Like sure. they've, they've earned their place in it they, the way they played. I mean, they they took apart the Jets. They they beat the, maybe now we'll say overrated Leafs, but at that point they were looked at as the powerhouse of the North Leafs. Um, and, and they beat them. They got past them. And then, you know, honestly, Vegas, they, they almost took them apart, too. I mean, it, that was that was the only one that mildly surprised me, um, simply because I thought Vegas maybe had enough to do it, but they didn't. So, you know, in the end, there's a lot of things going for Montreal. Yeah, 
and it surprised the heck out of me. I thought Vegas would take them out. And uh, you, you mentioned the North Division. Isn't the full name the North Division sponsored by Four Loco? I think that's uh, what the uh, NHL put on it this year. Uh, but uh, as, as far as it goes with the breakdowns here, one of the things that's interesting to me is uh, Montreal only 25th in the league for a team that's done it in the playoffs on the back of Carey Price to a large degree, 25th in save percentage during the regular season. Now, of course, Carey Price didn't even play the majority of games for Montreal this year, so that's not all on him, but some of that's on the defense as well, but a defense that has risen up dramatically during the playoffs. Yeah, they're, um, they're top four heavy. Those guys um, with Sherratt and Weber and Edmondson and Petrie, they'll play 23, 24 minutes apiece. They go very light on the bottom six. And, you know, honestly, it's on the bottom two, rather. It, it's working for them. So sure. I can't say it's a bad thing. Chicago used to be able to do it back in the day. But they do set up a fortress in front of Carey Price, and that's a very good thing because – not many crease crashes on Terry Price himself. And so that's that's made things very interesting for him, and that's set things up very well for him. So with that, you have Philip Deneau, who also wins a lot of faceoffs and can shut down a forward from the other team, as he did with Mark Shifley. It's, again, and Mark Stone. Mark Stone wasn't even injured. He admitted he wasn't. He just said, I have to. I was, you know, it was a bad series for me. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people are saying that. They play Montreal, and all of a sudden, you know, it's a bad series for them. I mean, Winnipeg, I just wrote about it today, and that was on um, Full Press Hockey. They had six goals in a series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> six goals. Remarkable. Remarkable. And I've been kind of a Winnipeg honk the last couple of years, although clearly, I mean, their sell-by date was probably about, you know, two years ago at this point, but they're still a team that you would not expect to get flattened by Montreal the way that they did. And when, when I look at this here, I mean, you, you talk about the protection of Carey Price, and I say, yes, that's been the case, comma, in the playoffs, comma, but 20th in the regular season in penalty kill. What Montreal reminds me of in a lot of ways is when I looked statistically at Dallas coming into the finals last year. Dallas is a team that got on a roll. They were kind of defense heavy in a lot of ways going through their playoff run a year ago, got past Vegas in the semifinals. They have that in common. Uh, but then, uh, and, and Dallas gave them a pretty good run in the finals, but eventually uh, the gap between the two teams was just too much. And, uh, I, again, I just see a lot of parallels there this year. There's some parallels, except I, I think we all would agree Price is better than Kudobin. Uh, yes, although Kudobin <laughs> was hot at the time, but I'll give you that, he, certainly. He was hot, but no, but Price is. Certainly. He actually has the best save percentage. You know we all believe Vasilevsky is the better goalie. Like, sure. I get it. Um, but again, Montreal, um, you know, Cole Caulfield really gave them a spark. Now, they didn't play him for the first couple games. That was weird that Ducharme didn't do that. But at the end, once he got in there, he really started to... Really, I, not only create a spark, but a looseness in the locker room and on the bench. And guys like Corey Perry and stuff started looking at more video, you know, and all of a sudden he's, he's scoring some goals. Suzuki and him click. Suzuki Tafoli and him click. That was a line that they didn't have to start the playoffs. So those things worked well. And, and, look, and on the Tampa side, Vasilevsky's tremendous. Hedman looked like he was banged up a little early on, but he, he was tremendous the last two games in beating the Islanders, especially the last game where on the penalty kill and corners, he was just, nobody could get the puck from. 
Sure. So that was that was the old headman. So that was you know good for them. They got Kucherov back. Um, that was a pretty big deal. The Islanders took him out and didn't get the job done as they used to like to say in wrestling a lot. Right. And um, and look, he was banged up, but he was he came in, he played probably 10, 12, 13 minutes, got some shots on that, but made some really good passes. So he wasn't he wasn't quite done, and that's that's a pretty big deal. And then Stamkos has been leading them all along. He actually is at a pointy game, but probably doesn't get credit for it. Right. At the moment, <laughs> still only 31, even through the injuries and everything, just a tremendous Hall of Fame type player. So you still have that. You got the, the young guys in Ross Colton and a lot of the young, drafted, developed guys that the people who want to bitch about Tampa or going over on the cap. Right. Because of the LTIR. If every team knew how to do it or could do it or had the opportunity to do it, they'd do it. So I don't really want to hear it from that. It was just like the 49ers. But what people who want to complain about that don't talk about is the fact that they have drafted and developed a lot of their bottom six guys. You yep. know, they also, you know, other guys too, like Tyler Johnson and stuff. But I mean, recently, where they've had to lose some players and fill in with some of those guys. And so. They don't really get credit for that. They also don't get credit for signing what we would call marginal players to cheap contracts like Luke Shen and getting unbelievable production out of that guy for the last couple of years. Um, and even a player like Ryan McDonough, you know, I did a book signing with him once, so I got to know him a little bit and he was with the Rangers and was their captain. By the way, he's still the last captain of the Rangers. They haven't had one since. Interesting. Um, yeah, which never happened when I was a kid. But right. As far as McDonough, just the hockey IQ off the charts, the physicality, just to be able to count on him, like that pass he made in the final game to set up the shorthanded goal for board, just a tremendous pass. I mean, just waiting, waiting, you know, that was just unbelievable. But he doesn't get credit. This is not a big point guy. He can score some points, but he does everything else. So Hedman gets all the all the glory for that. But McDonough's like a key cog and Again, so many guys can beat you. It could be Gord, it could be Kalorn, it could be Johnson, it could be a lot of different guys. So maybe next year they'll lose a few more, but they have other guys they can bring up. They have youngsters that are ready. They've over-marinated a lot of guys because they've had a lot of talent. So I can't even tell you this is the end of the pipeline for them. Now in 04, I wrote... Hey, this is an unbelievable team. I think with Tortorella and the group they have, you know, Richards was the con Smythe, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great group. They had the best line in hockey. They had a lot going for them. I'm like, oh, these guys can go for a while. And all of a sudden, Bobby Bourne doesn't sign. John Graham's their goalie, and they're done. And that, that's not the case with these guys. They have Vasilevsky, who's the best goalie in the world, who's only 27. Yep. So, yes, they're the overwhelming favorite. I know Habs fans would love for even the gambling public to to make them the favorite ones. But you really can't. With the teams that they were playing, there is no way you could honestly make them a favorite. It doesn't mean they can't win. And I do think this series can go longer than most feel that it can. But again, I can see why nobody has made them a favorite. Sure. And again, uh, and, and credit where credit is due, I will say, to my all-time favorite athlete in any sport, Steve Eiserman for doing so much of the franchise building during his tenure mm-hmm. as GM while he was there uh, prior to coming back to God's team, the Detroit Red Wings. But as far as the uh, the thing goes with uh, with Montreal, you know, in, in looking at it with their roster, 
I go back to, uh, and I, I love cross-sport analogies, and this won't be the last one I make here, but uh, talking to, it was before the 09 World Series, the late, great Tommy Lasorda, having him on the show, and saying that in order for them to win, my theory was Clayton Kershaw had to do what Josh Beckett did in 2003, channel his future self, essentially, and basically play beyond his years. Montreal has a decent amount of really good young talent here. Is I think it's going to take the, the Cole, uh, Cole Caulfields of the league uh, and, and guys like that on their team. I think they're going to have to channel their future selves uh, and really you know, step up in that way if they're going to have a good chance of winning this thing. What say you? Yeah, no, I, I think so, because Montreal will play close to the vest that they can. They'll play physical. They'll do a lot of things like that to um, try and keep the score down and look to take advantage of opportunities. They did it um, against everybody, but the it, it's hard to do it against Tampa. The Islanders tried to do it against Tampa, and they ran out of gas in Game 7. Uh, midway in the second period, I felt like they were out of gas. They never even, uh, you know, to me, put that put it in a, may, may, a big effort at the end even with the extra attacker, to even tie the game. They just didn't have it. And so you do wonder if that's going to happen with with Montreal here, too, because Tampa could literally spread the ice. Tampa could fight with you if you want with guys like Maroon and Coleman and, and Goudreau, but they also can um, can just flat-out flat out pass the puck and play like a Princeton offense if they want. And if they do that, as the course of a series goes on, they definitely can tire you out. And if you're short-shifting... The, um, the lower-pairing defenseman, and you're going with a solid four, and maybe you're throwing Gustafson in there once in a while with one of the top four, it's not a big breather. And at some point, you know, Shea Weber is not the youngest guy. And so that is the way to get to Montreal, because it's hard to get in the crease. It's easy to say, well, just get in the crease, take away Kyrie Price's eyes. Well, nobody's really been able to do that. I don't know if Tampa will be able to do that. Um, but Tampa could definitely play them and they know what it takes to win, so they're not going to panic if they're even down 2-1 in the series. Even if they were down 3-1 in the series, they wouldn't panic. So they're in a spot where home ice means a lot. Um, unfortunately, Montreal can't have the same amount of fans. They can only have 3,500. Um, it certainly mattered home ice against the Islanders. I think it would matter against anybody. I, I great advantage there. So this will be a, a good series in the sense of um, early excitement. I hope it could last throughout the series. I think it will. And if it does, that'll part will be great. I don't know how well it'll do TV-wise because in the States, maybe you'll get some hate watching because there's a lot of Islander fans now that want Montreal to lose. and So maybe they'll go, and, and same with Vegas fans, so maybe those are two good TV markets that people are going to hate watch. Mm-hmm. But if they tune out, then it's not going to be good. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, by the way, postscript on what I said to you about uh, Lasorda, uh, what was great about him, among other things, was him being old school, not part of the modern coddle culture. He agreed with my assessment. He was like, oh, yeah, Clayton Kershaw, we're going to need him to step up. So I appreciated that he didn't try to soften the expectations any there. But no, yeah, you just don't ask him, I mean, at the time. Sure. Now. Don't ask him about Dave Kingman. Oh yeah, no that that would that would draw a uh, a very very harsh response uh, as the audio evidence has uh, shown. But you're right about all the different ways that Tampa has to be able to get the job done here, and uh, such is the challenge that is before Montreal in, in order to uh, you know first and foremost uh, keep it a close series uh, and, and and then you know be able to get four wins by the time that the series is done. 
this is one of these things here where when you look at the magnitude of this, and if you're just going to look at it uh, statistically as far as odds, Montreal was the last team into the playoffs as far as qualifying, what the casinos had them at prior to the start of the Stanley Cup tournament. I mean, if, if they can pull this off, and if they can pull this off against the defending champions, a juggernaut team like Tampa Bay, are we talking about them in the same breath as, like, your 69 Jets, the Villanova and North Carolina State teams of the 80s that pulled the upsets in the NCAA tournament going all the way. I mean, when we're talking about the great underdogs in, let's say, the last half century of sports at minimum, Montreal's got to rank up there if they can get this done, right? Yeah, I think it would rank up there. It, it can't rank with the Jets because the Jets were from a rival league, um, the AFL, and, and Namath was a young quarterback, and Carey Price has always been one of the best goalers in the league. So yes. that's the only part that the Jets don't fit, but the, a lot of the others do fit and definitely would be up there, no question about it. Um, but again, the, the thing about it is, no, they're never going to be listed as, as the favorite. Uh, it's just not going to be possible because, like you said, you wouldn't come up with a mountain of stats. But I just felt like the minute they added Caulfield and that line started clicking and they had that little extra speed because they were already a fast team. So like yeah. they... I was worried about the one thing I was worried about Vegas and talked about was the fact that Montreal speed could derail and it did. Um, Tampa can keep up with them. So that's not a problem speed wise, but could Tampa keep up a whole series if they played flat out speed wise? I don't know. I mean, that's not Montreal style. Montreal usually just waits for those speed moments and tries to get some breaks with some long passes and it's been working for them. So the interesting scene how they do that. I don't even know if Dominic Deschamps will be um, on the ice for game one. He might still be quarantining. So it might still be Luke Richardson behind the bench carrying out his wishes. So that's that's a whole other thing, too. Like, we're talking about um, normally just a team being an underdog, but how often are you talking about a team being an underdog and their coach didn't even coach in person right. for the last couple of games and maybe can't for the game one of the cup? That's right. never happened. Yeah, yeah. Although, not an insurmountable obstacle. Sincerely, the 2020 Cleveland Browns. But uh, it is going to make it harder. It's going to make it definitely harder under the circumstances, no question about it. Uh, and uh, just uh, a few little uh, interesting nuggets here before we bring this thing full circle on picks. Uh, so you've got Tampa Bay and Montreal, two teams in the eastern time zone. So, uh, of course, the regular geographical We're things. We're all happy about that. Yeah. The, California army. That's okay. right. They don't have to factor that in. And, uh, of course, there will be way more Stanley Cup final rematches than usual next season because all things yes. being equal, Tampa Bay and Montreal will be back in, hello, the same division, which Montreal historically is no stranger to because – uh, back prior to, what was it, 1980, you would have things where it wouldn't be geographically dependent as far as the finals uh, matchups here. So the NHL used to be on a system like that. Weirdly enough, Montreal ends up being in the final the year that we revert to something that is not the traditional uh, two-conference format. Uh, but uh, another thing here, too, and I'll bet even you haven't picked up on this one here, Russ, my eye for oddities, is that we are, if Montreal doesn't win this, uh, then we are going to enter next year where it will be guaranteed at least a tie for the longest stretch between original six teams winning the Stanley Cup. It's never gone more than seven years. Of course, between 1979 with Montreal 
1993 with Montreal. There was only 1986 with Montreal. We're going to be seven years next year, and it doesn't even really seem to register with anybody because Montreal's been there, Boston's been there, you've had teams in the interim that have been there, but it's really been a down period for a number of the teams, whether it be my Red Wings, whether it be the Blackhawks in the wake of their run, uh, Toronto always underachieves. By the way, when you were talking about hate-watching markets before, for the better part of the 21st century, I think Montreal's been getting past Boston with inferior teams on paper but being much faster than them. So Boston is going to be another market that hate-watches here. So, yeah, well, I mean, I can't find anybody that says, hey, go Montreal. I think it's so few and far between here in the States. Uh, it's just it's It's kind of interesting that way. But then I do see a lot of, well, I don't want to see Tampa win either. Sure. Um, just because I think that's just sour grapes because they're a team in the uh, in the South that maybe they, you know, the purists don't like. And it's like, hey, you know, uh, too bad. This is a good hockey market who's had good teams, who's won multiple cups, and can win another. So that's more than a lot of other teams in better markets. That's better than than teams that haven't won at all, like Vancouver, right? So, That's true. Yeah, I just, I think it'll be interesting. I, I feel like the um, there'll be some side stories with the crowds and, and everything else. Uh, it's interesting now that we're also, date-wise, way past when we normally would have the Stanley Cup. So again, yes. heat-wise, uh, the ice in Tampa is just going to be a miracle, whatever they can do with it. Because normally you're not playing the Stanley Cup at that time in a place like that. Um, Canada is no longer a bubble. They were a bubble last year. Right. So that's, you know, that's interesting too. So a lot of different things that way. And I, the only thing I can tell you is when people were talking about the ice in the Stanley Cup a few years back, was it 17 in Washington, was very, very muggy for some of those home games. And they had like, I want to say like 12 different tubes hooked up to their, um, to their machine to try and pump out uh, any of the humidity. And so they didn't have the best ice, you know, for that cup. So we'll see. I mean, Dan Craig will do the best job he can. He does a great job all the time, but it's a challenge, man. Oh, yeah. And another thing on the list of oddities here that, as you mentioned, Toronto play, or, sorry, Tampa Bay played course in Toronto in the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs last year but then in Edmonton for the final so this is Tampa Bay's second straight year of going to Canada for the Stanley Cup final the first of the two years that they're playing a Canadian team and there will be the cross-border travel as you say uh, back and forth here uh, even if Montreal as we record this now will probably still have the limited uh, number of fans there for the yes. games uh, that appears to be the the present plan uh, in looking at this, uh, again, uh, my yeah, w when I first just kind of squint at this on paper, I, I've never, ever, ever, that I can remember in any sport, picked a sweep in the finals, so I wouldn't be starting here. Uh, my, my gut instinct would be to say Tampa in five, but uh, I'm going to say Tampa in six. I think that Montreal is going to stretch this a little bit longer. By the way, you said there's not too many people in the States Room for Montreal, that may well be true, but shout out to FDH Lounge Dignitary John Adams, a longtime Montreal Canadiens fan, so he's happy okay. right about now. 
Uh, he does not have uh, cable, though, so he's going to miss two of the games in the finals. Unless he, uh, Johnny, you can come over to my place, buddy. I give him a shout out here on the air. But anyways, oh Peacock, he could sign up temporarily for Peacock. He could do that as well, absolutely, and uh, it will it will be there. And uh, again, good to ha have, uh, of course, five-time lounge guest Kenny Albert in the lead seat uh, there yes. for play-by-play. Uh, -play. As I understand, he will be for the Turner Network subsequently. So, shout out to him. So. I'm going to say, like I said, Tampa in six. I think Montreal is going to make it more interesting than certainly than I would think, just looking at it on paper, and a lot of people probably would. What say you, Russ? I'm going to go Tampa in seven because I think with guys like Cernak, who have been very badly banged up, and guys like Kucherov, you know, it's possible they miss shifts and time in the series. And, and I think Tampa will play the slow burn. I, I think they'll go all out to win game one. But I also think that, you know, there might be times where they say, all right, look, we're going to have to win with this team so we can go four or five days and get this guy back. I think there's going to be a lot of plotting of that. And so Kucherov maybe will do a lot of power play and not a lot of even strength for a while. So I think I think they're going to, there's going to be some of those kinds of things going on. And I think if that does go on, then that will um, – it could extend the series. That's true, yeah. If you see scenarios like that and uh, where – they're having to kind of pick their spots. Yes, that would be an extended series beyond what we would think on paper. Uh, the last of the oddities that I have here, by the way, is, uh, and you'd mentioned it before about the 04 Tampa team, that uh, we, we are reverting back to, uh, I believe there must have been a secret Gary Bettman mandate in the mid-2000s that the Stanley Cup final be Sunbelt v. Canadian team, and the Sunbelt teams went 3-0 and in that stretch. Tampa yep. Bay over Calgary. Carolina over Edmonton and Anaheim over Ottawa, and uh, we revert back to that here this year with Tampa Bay, Montreal. That leaves only Toronto, I believe, as the teams that have been around all the way through the 90s that have not been in the Stanley Cup final since Canada the last took the Cup home, and then you have Winnipeg, which I believe Winnipeg gained and lost their team in that stretch, did they not? There was a Winnipeg Jets in 93, and then there's been a Winnipeg Jets yeah, in subsequent years. So Winnipeg uh, has also not been back there, but uh, Montreal's first time back in 28 years, and uh, you know, fascinatingly everybody's enough, everybody's looking for stuff too. Like everybody's like, "Well, look, this happened, and this happened, and they're a team of destiny, and everything else." And it's like, you know, I don't believe in the team of destiny. I don't, and so I know it's been a certain amount of time. I, I know Kerry Price is great. He's not Patrick Roy. And so, you know, they're going to have to go out there and, and take it away from them. You know, of those teams you mentioned, the Canadian ones, definitely Calgary is, is the best of them. And remember, Edmonton had to use UC Markin in, in that. Like, they, sure. they had bad they had trouble with, uh, with goaltending. But they did have Chris Ponger, who cleaned up a lot of messes out there that, that made it a very tough series. So, yeah, I just, I think this will be fun. We're going to at least get fan excitement, which we didn't have at the Cup last year, and that's going to excite the hell out of me just to see, you know, all those fans outside the arena and feel the atmosphere of the Stanley Cup. To me, that's that's what this is about this year. It's about sort of just feeling the vibe. Yeah, getting it back. And last question I have for you uh, in terms of uh, comparisons here, your guy, Henrik Lundqvist, making it to the uh, Cup Final in, I believe, 2012. Is there a little bit of a similar thing here of Carey Price? They, they have very similar legacies in that they go down in terms of international play 
as two of the very best of all time. They both have some some very big pelts uh, as far as that goes, but uh, both of them were kind of hard-pressed to make it this far. Lundquist, a little bit uh, further along in his run, did make it in 2012. I'm not saying this is going to be the last uh, look that Carey Price gets at it, but it sort of puts me in mind of that, of a guy who's already built his reputation internationally who wants to be able to do what Dominic Kosick did and take home the cup as well. Yeah, I do think um, I've had these conversations throughout the playoffs with different people and felt like after I spoke to one person, we both felt like it, you know Price was going to carry this team at least to the semifinals, it's weird to say, but conference finals. Um, mm-hmm. That that would really help his his you know his career down the line when he tries to get in something like the Hall of Fame. But but now that he's gotten to the Cup, again it's a team game. He can't goalie can't win it himself. So I think he and Lundqvist will have an excellent chance of making it. Except except the Hockey Hall of Fame puts in very few goaltenders. Right. And so unless something like changes with that, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I'd be shocked if he didn't make it, but I guess stranger things have happened. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Certainly, again, this is a chance to really burnish that legacy uh, if they can pull it off. I think they'd be hard-pressed to keep him out, I think, in any instance, but especially if they can get it done here. But uh, it's going to be really, really interesting to watch uh, with a very dominant team, a very dominant defending champion team going up against this uh, underdog team, albeit the most decorated one in the history of hockey, the New York Yankees of hockey, as it were, as far as historical accomplishments and achievements. Yes. But making it big, it would be weird seeing the Yankees as a huge underdog in baseball, but here we are with the, with the Canadians in hockey, and uh, they are this gigantic underdog, and uh, we'll see if they can bring it home. I it's think been... the Yankees were the underdogs against the Dodgers. Were they? Which, uh, what, in what, 81? Or... Yeah. They, they lost. They might have been. They might have been. Yeah, but because that I mean, was a great Dodger team. I'm pretty sure they were the underdogs. Couldn't have been big underdogs, though, because they won it all no, in 78 and, and 77, So and the pennant right. in 76. So, yeah, that, you might be right about that. The Dodgers uh, might have made them the underdogs that time. But, uh, yeah, it would be weird seeing them as big underdogs anyways. In Montreal, big underdogs, but you've made a very compelling case as to why this could be an excellent series and one that Montreal could win if they get enough breaks. So we'll see how it goes. So, Russ, enjoy the series. Travel safely, as always, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Russ Cohen, and uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini, episode 1354.